Good morning, WordServe. I'm glad to be here and to share with you in this time of opening God's Word to see what it means for us. As a reminder, we are continuing our series on just Jesus. So uh, welcome back and glad you're going to continue with us. Uh, this is a three-part series that ends next week. And this week we're looking at perseverance. I think perseverance is actually a pretty fitting topic for today. Uh, with all that's going on, we've got a pandemic that just doesn't seem to end and uh, lots of adjustments to the start of a school year. Uh, many of us have ongoing health issues, not to mention parenting. Oh my goodness, if there's ever a need for perseverance, it's, it's parenting. Um, so as we come into this, I just want to provide a basic definition of what per perseverance is. Uh, perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. My first uh, real, um, as, as a young man, one of my first real uh, um, lessons in perseverance came when I was a sophomore in high school. I was trying out for the varsity soccer team and one of the requirements, among many, was uh, running two miles in 12 minutes. Now, to put this in, in, in context, here is why that's funny. I hate running. I loathe running. The only time I run is when somebody's chasing me with a gun. So I do not like to run. And as, as much as I respect it and admire it and uh, wish I could do it, I'm horrible at it. And um, so when it came time for doing this two miles in six minutes, I have no, or two miles in 12 minutes, I have no doubt that I could have run two miles. I have no doubt that I could have run uh, 12 minutes. But running at a pace where you are doing two miles in 12 minutes just seemed like a lot. And I remember being so anxious about it because I didn't think I could do it. And the captain of the soccer team at the time, his name was Mark. He kind of took me under his wing. By the way, uh, his little sister uh, is the one who is writing the prayer blog for teens. So you guys that have been praying over your teens with those daily scriptural prayers, um, uh, that's Kelly. And her older brother is Mark, who was a senior captain on the soccer team. He took me under his wing and he said, John, don't worry about it. I'm going to be right behind you the whole way. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so um, uh, we started uh, and it was time to the coach was there and, and he said, go. And we had to run two miles and everybody kind of took off. And uh, I mean, all these juniors and seniors and there were only two sophomores and uh, they took off. And the other sophomore was a runner. So he took off as well. And here I am just kind of at the back of the pack. And wouldn't you know it, Mark was right behind me all the way around that track, several times, all the way around, Mark ran right behind me. And his point, of course, uh, when we crossed the finish line, right under 12 minutes, um, was to let the coach know, hey, if John didn't finish and doesn't qualify, then I didn't finish and don't qualify. And so um, what I learned that day was not to give up. And I learned that everybody has someone in their corner. And if I wanted the prize of playing on varsity, I needed to get there in that time. 
perseverance, perseverance, man. I also think about our culture today and I see that perseverance is a lost art. Um, people give up too easily. We are conditioned typically uh, to value short-term rewards, uh, not long-term rewards. And if you ever play video games, it's all about short-term rewards. Otherwise, people get uh, bored and they quit. Um, people fail once or twice or three times and they give up. And so they're done. Many of us uh, value other people's opinions to a fault. And so we end up allowing others to make decisions for ourselves. And uh, in that case, we, we kind of, we outsource our perseverance. We allow other people to persevere for us and it's not healthy, right? Um, some of us surround ourselves with negative influences, uh, whether it's friends or workplace. Um, many of us have not learned how to be disciplined. We, we haven't learned how. We haven't had those experiences that teach us. Many of us care more about the end result than the process, right? Uh, so it uh, doesn't matter how we get there as long as we get there, yet so much of the learning is in the journey to get there. Uh, many just don't believe they can do it. They don't believe in themselves or they get bored. Um, perseverance, man, everybody's giving up today. It's a lost art and it's causing a great deal of trouble in our society, in my opinion. And when we open God's word, we see that God actually has a whole lot to say about perseverance. In fact, if we look at chapter three of Philippians, we see this verse that pops out to us and it says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And Paul here is writing to the letter, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. It's a congregation that's struggling to stay on the right path with their faith. Um, many are new converts to Christianity. Many have converted from Judaism. And there are some in the congregation saying that, hey, it's okay to have faith in Jesus, but you've also got to do A, B, C, and D. And these were specific things that grew out of the law of God given to Moses. And so they were basically saying, yeah, you've got to obey the law and have faith in Christ. And Paul writes to encourage them and say, wait a minute, that's not right. It's all faith in Christ. And the key verse in this chapter is, is this, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly price, prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And so I want us to put that in perspective. And just to warn you, I am about to get really nerdy. So uh, when I get into Bible study, I like, like to come up about 5,000 feet from the scriptures and look at the data as a whole. And so um, this may drive you nuts. I know it does uh, my wife sometimes, but nonetheless, um, this is me and my reading. So as we jump up from Philippians, what we begin to see is that there are several chapters that are leading us into this perseverance, right? Um, humility. Chapter two talks about humility. And uh, Bill covered this last week about having the same attitude that Christ had, um, did not account himself uh, to be worthy. He took on the cross. He suffered. He was willing to condescend in order to see a greater reward. And humility, um, uh, the chapter two kind of finishes with statements on joy 
And um, then uh, it goes on to chapter three, where it talks about perseverance in the face of opposition. Um, and then chapter four, uh, where the end result is peace. And so let's, let's unpack these just a bit. In chapter two, um, Paul talks here about um, holy and healthy living as something that Christians should strive for. Um, he specifically mentions no complaining, no arguing, live clean and innocent lives. But then he goes on to talk about holding firm to the word of life. Our integrity to what Jesus taught is so important, and we've got to know it. Now, he goes on at the end of that chapter to talk about joy, specifically um, in, in several places. So uh, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, he says this, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. So right there in two verses, we have four times joy is mentioned, or the word related to that rejoice. In fact, Philippians is filled with joy, and that joy um, is mentioned 16 times, uh, continues on in the very first verse of chapter three. It says this, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And in chapter four, we're going to see some more. But I love this because um, even though joy isn't a section, it's a thread that is woven throughout the book, this letter that uh, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. And so, um, and I, I love how chapter three starts. It's like, whatever happens. And so joy, joy can be in whatever. And I love that. Um, I, I love it when uh, my teenage uh, boys go, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like that, joy, whatever. I mean, it's there. Um, goes on to talk about perseverance. Um, perseverance is pressing on towards the goal. And, and there are a couple of things mentioned here. Uh, one is, uh, he says, to safeguard your faith. That's why he's, he's writing, is to safeguard your faith. Again, the integrity with the word of God is important. And then um, he says to focus on the prize. Focus on the prize. The end of the race is heaven. The duration of the race is knowing heaven through Jesus Christ. And so the prize is both a now and a next, right? But it's all about perseverance. These things come with perseverance. And of course, next week we'll look at um, peace. But here's what's cool about this. If, if you kind of step back and look at this, it's saying, you know what? Humility. There's a relational aspect to humility, um, a horizontal aspect, that once we are willing to humble ourselves like Christ, the world around us takes on a different meaning. We're there to serve the world, not to be served by it. We're there to experience God's love amidst our relationships, not to conquer and uh, to be controlling. And then the holding firm, and the safeguarding faith, these are the integrity portions of um, being people of God who study his word and are in his word and, and know Jesus through his word because the little word, scripture, leads to the, the big word, Jesus Christ. And then, of course, focusing on the prize is our vertical relationship with God through Christ. 
right? And ultimately the heavenly minded aspect of living out our faith. And so you've got this horizontal aspect, you've got this vertical aspect, you've got this integrity to the gospel of Jesus, the word of God, and then you've got this joy in whatever. And it's almost like God is saying uh, through Paul in Philippians, hey, you want to know perseverance? Well, you've got to experience humility first so that that divine humility will lead to a joy. And when you have that humility and that joy, then persevering becomes easy. Even though it's expected, it will become easy. And the end result will be, of course, peace in that time. So it's not all linear, I know, um, but once we know humility and joy, perseverance becomes expected but easy, at least easier, right? So let's take a closer look at that verse that popped out to us. Philippians 3.14 says, I press on, dioko is a Greek word there, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. That Greek word, dioko, is the press on. Some uh, translations will read pursue. Uh, dioko actually comes uh, from the hunting world. So you, you hunters out there will get a kick out of this, right? Um, it means to aggressively chase like a hunter pursuing a catch. To aggressively chase like a hunter pursuing a catch. And it can be a, a negative thing. In fact, this word is used to talk about the persecution of others. Um, dioko, uh, they're hunting down others. But it's also used positively to talk about pursuing a worthy cause, right? The, the closest I can get to that is one of my favorite commercials of all time. I, I don't have many favorite commercials, right? So that's not saying a lot. But it comes back from, um, I believe it's the year 2000. So 20 years ago, right? And um, many of you will, will remember this. Um, the commercial comes uh, to us uh, from Mountain Dew. And it's this mountain biker that is chasing across this desert prairie, the fastest land animal on earth, a cheetah. And he's on his bike chasing him. Uh, you see a, a, a trail of dust and another trail of dust following. And then you see uh, the biker getting close and he gets close enough to launch himself onto the bike in order to catch um, his, his prey. And, and he jumps on the cheetah and then settles the cheetah down and then reaches down into his throat and pulls out a Mountain Dew can and it has holes in it and is empty. And so he grabs the cheetah by the collar and holds that can in front of him and says, bad cheetah. It was a hit uh, for Super Bowl commercials and it stuck with me forever because I used to love Mountain Dew. That used to be my um, horrible drink of choice. But I love this image of chasing after something, pursuing aggressively a catch, right? He shouldn't have caught that cheetah. It's almost impossible, right? And he caught it, he received his prize, and what a gift that is. I wonder what would happen if we used that dioko, that sense of dioko, that aggressive chase, in our own lives uh, with Jesus Christ, right? In our spiritual lives. What if we passionately pursued after Christ and all that we did? I wonder if we would experience the elation 
of achieving something most people think are impossible. I don't know if you know this guy, many of you do. Who is he? Well, let me tell you about him first. So um, this man, Harland is his first name, uh, was determined uh, to uh, create a new recipe for chicken. Yeah, I gave it away. But did you know that Harlan submitted his now world-famous chicken recipe to 1,009 restaurants before finding a buyer? And of course, we know what has come from that, right? Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's Colonel Sanders. Well, what about this guy? This guy went bankrupt five times and penniless five times trying different business ventures. And uh, he ended up doing something amazing. He innovated uh, industrial production with the assembly line, and you're getting there, I know. But eventually, he founded a company that became extremely successful and um, became known as the Ford Motor Company. This is Henry Ford, right? Here's another one. Um, this gentleman, um, uh, created something we all use and and he had an idea he thought it was possible and he went over a thousand times trying to find the filament to this thing that would light up and um, he uh, failed over and over and over but because he passionately persisted he uh, ended up discovering and inventing what we know as the light bulb this is thomas edison right just a few stories of people who just didn't give up. They didn't give up a thousand nine times, over a thousand times of failing. I mean, what if they had said, I'm done at four or I'm done at 800? You know, what would have happened if they had done that? You think of others. Walt Disney um, was fired from his first job at a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. You think of Albert Einstein who, <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, his parents and teachers began to think he was mentally handicapped because he didn't speak until the age of four and he didn't read until the age of seven. Do you hear that, parents? Uh, we want our kids to walk at two months and read at 12 months and, and uh, it's just crazy. And Einstein was eventually uh, expelled from school uh, because he wasn't a good student. Um, crazy. Think of Elvis Presley, oh my goodness, who, who changed the face of rock and roll music, right? And uh, the manager, Jimmy Den Denny of uh, Nashville's uh, Grand Ole Opry, actually told him once, you ain't going nowhere, son, you ought to go back to driving a truck. Or Steven Spielberg, after high school, uh, Steven Spielberg was rejected three times from the School of Theater and Film and Television at University of Southern California. And he actually attended another one and then dropped out to pursue directing. Can, can you imagine what would happen if these guys gave in? And you think there are tons more, tons more like this. And many of us know people every day in our everyday lives who overcame the odds. Someone told them, hey, you'll never succeed in college. You'll, you'll never amount to much. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never. Or they kept trying something and, and had a vision for something, and they kept trying and trying and trying, and failure after failure after failure, they kept going. What did all these guys have in common? Dioko, the passionate pursuit of a prize.
It's fascinating as Christians, we, we have a prize. Our prize is eternity. Our prize is fellowship with God through Christ. Our prize is um, the thing that we can run after and attain over and over and over because once we get it, we want more of it. And once we experience it, we've got to have more of it. And it provides the joy and the peace and everything that we would want in our lives ultimately to enter into who we are, transform us and how we view the rest of the world in the midst of our circumstances. And that's where per perseverance comes from. That's where perseverance comes from. And of course, I know it's a lot easier said than done, right? And one of the questions that often we ask is, well, how do we become better at persevering? So I want to ask this question, how do we cultivate perseverance? And it's important to emphasize that word cultivate, right? I mean, it takes time. It takes time to learn perseverance. The first thing I think of is inner strength through Jesus Christ. We need to locate our inner strength through Jesus Christ. He is the ground of everything. And without him, perseverance is meaningless. In fact, Paul says in Philippians um, 3, 8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Humility and joy, perseverance, it leads to perseverance in our world circumstances. When, when we know Christ, we experience those things in a way that, yes, it's expected, but it gets easier. And so we spend time with God through his word. We spend time with God through prayer. We spend time in God in worship on Sundays. We spend time with God learning and growing. We locate our inner strength in Christ. Another thing to cultivate perseverance is to have a clear vision of what's to come. I love how Paul put this in several places in this chapter. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Man, what a crazy statement. Why does he want that? Because he knows the experience of resurrection cannot happen without the experience of suffering. And so he says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, right, he's going to get there. I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And Paul had a past that he could forget. I mean, he was top of the mark Hebrew. He was top of the mark Jew in that day. He lived it out. He was perfect according to the law. In fact, started persecuting Christians. And yet, here's a guy who lived it all perfectly to the letter of the law and still realized he missed something. And when he found that, he says, I'm willing to forget all that went on in the past. Why? Because what lies ahead through Jesus Christ is much more rewarding. Our past, yeah, we learn from it, but we don't let it dictate our future. Our future is what we learn, work toward. Another thing is learn to handle setbacks well. Paul says again in uh, verse 12, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things of being um, uh, uh, mature in his faith, or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on, there's that word again, dioko, 
He's passionately pursuing. Learn to handle setbacks well. They're going to happen. They're going to happen. I remember one time talking with a mentor of mine. I was so proud of myself because I, I was working on um, stopping in the midst of a circumstance in order to reevaluate how I was showing up in that circumstance. And so um, there was a time where I was getting really, really frustrated and it started to show and started to affect people around me. And, and I caught myself. I was able to catch myself and then reset. And I apologized to everybody in that group and just said, hey, here's what's going on with me. You need to know I'm extremely competitive. I'm very I'm a perfectionist. Um, I don't like losing. I don't like being in second. And I am sorry. And what I realized is that all of that has come into play to make this an, a, a not fun experience. And so I was telling my mentor that about how proud I am of that. And he said, man, John, that is exciting. I'm so proud of you. And he said this, but what are you going to do next time to show up and not have those circumstances where you're going to end up apologizing again? And let me tell you, if he were not on the phone, I might've punched him in the face. I mean, that, that's how um, hurtful that felt because here I was proud of myself and he's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Learning to handle setbacks. Well, you've got to train yourself how to show up next time in them better. And that's part of Dioko. That's part of that passionate pursuit. That's part of the chasing aggressively Christ and the prize that he has for us. It means that we learn to handle setbacks and show up in them differently the next time. And lastly, cultivate a supportive network. I don't know about you, but there are times when I kind of um, kind of wrap in on myself and I just kind of crawl into my own world and I don't want other people around me. And what I've learned um, in life experience is that um, it's not good to be alone. Uh, in fact, social withdrawal, I don't, I don't know if you guys realize this, you may, is a first step in what experts call psychogenic death. Um, psychogenic death means that you're giving up on life without actually dying. And so people do this when, when they're done and they just sit on the couch and they don't get up and exercise. They don't eat well. They don't do anything because they're not motivated. And, and uh, it goes part and parcel with depression, right? People who just give up, um, they, they have no sense of vision and they don't have a support network that encourages them or someone in their corner that's running right behind them saying, you can do it, man. You can do it. I'm right behind you. Um, and here's Paul. And Paul says at the beginning of this chapter, he says, whatever happens, and he goes, my dear brothers and sisters, and it's plural, right? In Greek, it's adelphos, and we expand to say um, sisters, but it means everybody, all of the believers, whatever happens, all of you. And in fact, if we reread the New Testament um, letters from Paul, and we took out all of the yous there, in our culture, we, we read those singularly. It's like, oh, it's talking about me. But when he wrote it, he wrote it in plural. So you, like all of y'all, right? I mean, switch it out. Take out the you and put y'all in your reading, and you'll see what a difference it makes because what Paul understood was that you can't do it alone. You have to have a support network in this thing we call faith 
And if you want to learn to cultivate perseverance, you've got to be in relationship with those who are doing the same thing. And this is why small groups are just so, so instrumental in our Christian life. This is why accountability partners are so instrumental in our faithful living. This is why having a mentor that can ask you hard questions that come across like a two by four, you want to punch them in the face, but you know it's good for you, right? Um, this is why those are so important to have is because if we're going to persevere, we've got to realize we're not alone. We need others to help us. So if we do all of these things, right, the inner strength, the clear vision, the handling setbacks, the supportive network, we will begin to cultivate a perseverance that astounds us. No matter what the world can bring, that perseverance, because it's rooted in Christ and is set forward in motion with other people and nothing this world can bring us will set us back. And you'll begin to see it take root and grow. And at the end of that, you'll experience peace. And in the midst of that, you'll experience joy. It sounds strange, but it's true. And here's perhaps the best news. The best news of all is that Jesus is not running away from us. And so it's not like a cheetah that can outrun us, right? It's not an impossible task. We persevere in Christ because Jesus is waiting for us to turn around and see him and to say yes. And when we persevere in Christ, we persevere in our circumstances. And we see the beauty of it all unfolding over and over and over. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. Um, he actually wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. Very appropriate. But I love this statement. He says, to have found God and still to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. To have found God and still to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Man, what a gift. And this is the gift that I want to leave with you is that, um, man, life is hard. Life is tough. Life throws all kinds of stuff at us. And if we were not pursuing Christ over and over and over, persevering, passionately chasing after him, I'd venture to bet we'd give up or we'd find ourselves in destructive behaviors that don't help. So what I hope, what I hope is that you'll grab hold of that chase. Word serve nation, Dioko. Pursue him with all you got and see the joy that comes from it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.